you guys, it's the Shadow Shaman. Today we are going to talk about shadows around self-worth. So first I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between self-worth and self-esteem. Because those two really get jumbled together a lot. And it makes total sense why. So supposedly they say that self-worth is more based off like the internal sense of being good enough and worthy of love and belonging and receiving something, you know, receiving anything. And self-esteem is based off something more associated with external factors. And years ago I had read in a book about, you know, how the dad father contributes to the self-identity and supposedly the mother contributes to self-worth and I don't know how true that is because um, I, I felt like I had a pretty good mom I mean there was some issues but you know I felt like uh, like she definitely did the best she could and I still struggled with self-worth. So I don't know how true that is, but maybe for some of you that resonates. So I just wanted to bring it up. But I was thinking um, about this particular topic because I uh, didn't even realize <laughs> that it was a hidden shadow that I had because I felt like I had really worked past this one like years ago. But the other day... I guess a couple weeks ago, out of nowhere, I had this like body sensation where suddenly I felt this really painful, I'm gonna say painful because it was painful, um, sensation. I was in public, was with my mom, enjoying a meal at a restaurant. I suddenly felt this overly self-conscious feeling and it was miserable and I, intuitively, instinctively, those are not even the right words. <laughs> it triggered the fact that I had felt that way my whole childhood, throughout my whole teenage years. Like I felt that extreme self-consciousness, um, feeling um, just a low sense of self-worth. And so for me to even get triggered back to that was just like, holy crap, you know, like this is not okay. Like I do not ever want to feel that way again. I thought it was like way past that. So I really wanted to explore why it was popping up, what was not being healed. And that's what led me to do this topic today because we're at the Lionsgate portal. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but August 8th supposedly is like the heightened day of it. So this is the perfect time to do some healing work around self-worth and release anything around this topic. So what I was thinking to myself is, I was, okay, well, Leslie, you know, you're, you're pretty confident, um, you know, at the same time, like, you are understanding that you're always changing, and you try to be really good at not getting overly attached to things, but you, you know, you've got a pretty good stability inside, for the most part, um, so what, why would that pop up like that? And it hit me, is it possible that we create thresholds 
And anything that falls under this threshold we create can give us the sense of confidence and um, we can be convinced even that we do have a healthy sense of self-worth because it's falling under this threshold that we've created and we might even really feel in control of this. But what happens when that threshold has been built on an unhealed sense of self-worth? When I asked it that way, when I thought of it and asked it that way, it was like huge because I can just look back at my entire life and see how every threshold I've ever created has been built on an unhealed sense of self-worth. And I know this because I wouldn't have made half the choices I've made, have put up with half the things I've put up with, um, been on the receiving end of half of the crap I've received, allowed myself to receive, had I understood a healthier sense of self-worth. So, you know, I just want to pause for a moment so that you can ask yourself that question if it's possible that's something that you've been doing in your life or if there's been a time. Which led me to another question that I asked myself. When do we lose sight of our own self-worth? You know, like a, a very healthy sense of it? Or is it that the majority of us never even knew it at all and instead we're having to learn it like we never even knew it or did we know it and we lost sight of it and when I say we we, we knew it and lost sight of it I mean in a conscience way I was doing some research because uh I wanted to come to understand this deeper so that I could heal this within myself. <clears throat> and it was talking about how for, for many people, the beginning of a low sense of self-worth begins in childhood, as most things do begin in childhood. And it's the sense of not being good enough as a kid, whether, you know, we couldn't please a parent or an important adult person in our life, um, not being good enough in some type of social interaction that maybe now as an adult, we've forgotten about, like now we don't think of it as a big deal, but at the time when we were young, it was actually huge and it shaped us profoundly. Or, you know, maybe it's not being good enough that a parent didn't stick around. You know, like a parent abandoned you. Whether it was, you know, through leaving the family. You know, walking out or, you know, uh, someone got, you know, gave up for adoption. Or a parent, uh, you know, abuse if someone was abused or sexually abused. Um, other signs of low self-worth is 
Uh, when we get upset and stressed really easily by criticism and disapproval. And I know for a fact that one, that one used to be huge for me. And I had no idea that was associated with low self-worth. I just thought that like, you know, I had issues like ego issues, you know, like, um, respect issues. Like I just got to be respected and I just can't handle the fact that this person is being so critical of me, you know, um, I've had to really work on that, on being so much more understanding and compassionate about that and letting it be a mirror to me, letting it be a teacher, okay? Like, it has taken me a lot of work to get myself to a place of not taking things, not making things personal about the other person. Like, this person is showing me something. So let's not make it about this other person. Let's, what are, what are they showing me? What are they teaching me? It, that has not been an easy transition for me. I'm going to admit that. Um, but it never clicked until doing this research that that had to do with a low sense of self-worth. Um, people pleasing <clears throat> was one of it. You know, very shy, self-conscious behavior. Um, being very self-conscious. Uh, Avoiding intimacy and being vulnerable. Um, for some of us, that could even look like maybe being able to be vulnerable or intimate, to, you know, at least to a certain degree with very, very few people close to us. But, you know, put us in a room with more than, you know, six people and none of them being our most intimate circle or at least over half of them not being part of our intimate circle and our in, like instant go-to reaction or instinct would be to not to avoid. You know, it would be to avoid the intimacy and the vulnerability. Um, that would be a sign. Uh, avoiding social contact um, or going going to social events but really withdrawing at the same time like just not being um as engaged perhaps and you know i'm curious to know i want to i would love to hear y'all's opinions on this because like i said this is just what research has collected and I, i'm just curious to know because you know some people, is it possible that that's just their personality? That just their personality is that uh, it's not so much about low self-worth as it's we don't have to just talk all the time for the sake of talking. You know, uh, if I have something to say, I'll say it. And if I don't, then uh, I'm totally fine and comfortable with just listening and observing Um. I don't have to be the center of attention. I don't need to be the center of attention. So, you know, that, that one's kind of a one of those things where I feel like, you, like it, has, it comes down probably to unique situations and uh, it's not like a one-shoe-fits-all type of thing. Um, so I'm bringing that up because I'm not trying to say that if you are... <clears throat> more shy or reserved in a social interaction, it automatically means you have low self-worth. I'm not saying that. I do believe that some people just naturally have a personality 
um, where they just don't feel the need to overly engage unless there's unless they see um, a reason to it for it unless they feel uh, the desire to but I do think that it can though be a sign depending on the person um, but according to this research all of that all of these things uh, kind of translates into this I am unable to receive kind of a an energy so I thought that this was really interesting and it kind of moved on to this whole you know the self-improvement movement of fix you know can we fix ourselves and the you know being flawed and even like the subtle things that sometimes is used about motivation and uh, changing self-image and how that can kind of turn into needing to see more proof of something. And I think it all stems from this place of still not being able to believe that one is good enough as they are, which is why I feel like um, sometimes we might engage into that type of stuff. Like I remember being in my mid-20s and like I went through that phase of you know, let me buy self-help books. Let me figure out what's wrong with me. Um, let me try and self-diagnose myself. I thought that, you know, you guys, I got into psychology not because I cared about using it with other people. I was so determined to understand myself. Like, that, I just wanted to psychologically heal myself and understand myself psychologically not from a spiritual perspective because I have been around spirituality my whole life to the point that I was so overwhelmed and like almost sick from it that I wanted like a scientific tangible factual explanation you know because the spirit realm was like there were so many possibilities that none of it it didn't feel good to have that much uh that many options um, because I that only contributed to me going through psychosis because there was no way to ground myself with that many options so I went through psychology just to help myself and um, that pretty much looped me back to the spiritual realm anyways uh, because I couldn't find a diagnosis and I went to an actual psychiatrist and they couldn't find a diagnosis. So I, you know, gravitated back to my path. So what I kind of want to pose right now is what keeps us, and obviously this answer is going to be different for everybody, what keeps us from believing that we are to our very core perfect in every way right now like just perfect in every way right now as we are like no matter the circumstances or the choices that we've made and I say that because a lot of us I feel like at least for me this low sense of self-worth I feel has been really connected to circumstances like things that like weren't even in our control. But we've let it help define our self-esteem or our, our sense of self-worth. 
and our self-esteem. You know, and then on top of that, now you throw in your choices because you have these circumstances that we've given authority to to help determine our sense of self-worth. And because of that, now we are making choices from this place of unhealed lack of um, the self-worth. You know, like we're making choices now from this threshold. And uh, the combination of it, you know, I just think, I feel like it just kind of, it's like this rotating circle and it just kind of fuels itself and it's like the it becomes a cycle and so it was just like it really was making me wonder like why is it so hard for us to believe that we are perfect as we are right now no matter the circumstances or the choices and I just feel like um Like for me, I would say it, you know, it comes down to all the, the social pressures and the social standards, the culture, like depending on where you live, the culture around you, uh, the family, your family dynamic, the culture within your family, um, and the family standards, the family pressures, you know, cause like one of the first things that happens, uh, when I, when I speak with people, about this, like just in general, just talking to them, not teaching them about the subject, just talking to them. Um, when I sit here and look at it, one of the first things that happens is there's like these things that pop up, like, well, why is it so hard? It's like, you start coming up with these reasons like, oh, well, because, you know, I have no job or I'm alone or, um, you know, I was raped or I'm an addict or um, I have this problem or that problem or, you know, everybody abuses me or everybody leaves me or I'm selfish or, and so it's like all these different things happen or nothing ever works out for me. It's like as soon as you ask that question, there's things that like begin to pop up. So if like if that's for you, if like if you ask yourself that question, the things that pop up, those are the things that you know I really encourage you to uh, look at right now, because uh, they might be very likely the things that are contributing right now to this sense of low self worth, and I I've noticed this in my own life by. The way we try to explain things like we try to explain things um like for an example i have a thyroid issue and it makes it hard for me to gain weight i'm i'm a pretty small person and i know some of you might be like i don't understand understand how this could be a problem but for me for me it it has been because i've I've had people say things to me in a way that was not, they were not really complimenting me. It was like they were really, there was definitely this undertone of, you know, like you're so thin, it's, you know, do you have an eating disorder? You know, are you on drugs? Like something's wrong, you know? You need to gain more weight. And uh, it's been it's been said to me like quite a bit and I shake sometimes. I don't shake like all the time, but I, I 
shake and I'm still confused. I don't know why I shake. Um, I went to the doctor and they told me that shaking actually has nothing, that they don't think that has anything to do with thyroid. Um, I've talked to people with thyroid issues that do not shake. So then people in the spiritual community say it's some type of energy thing, something to do with my gift. And then of course I've talked to other people who are like, you know, that has something to do with like PTSD nerves. So there's no telling, but I shake on top of the fact that I'm so thin looking. And so what I noticed is that when people make comments to me about the shaking or me being thin and for some people, they are coming from a place of just genuinely caring and, and being kind and just checking on me. And then some people, it's a totally different undertone uh, or just straight up asking me if I have an issue. Um, I instantly go to explain. It's like I instantly am like, oh, I have a thyroid issue or like, um, it's like my instinct is to explain my behaviors it's to explain my feelings. It's to explain, you know, the physical things uh, about me that um, I may not like. Yet at the same time, being a natural kind of rebellious, more of a type of person, I'm somebody who doesn't like the idea that we should ever have to explain anything. Like I, that irritates the crap out of me. I don't like to have to explain things to people, especially if I don't want to, like if you like, um, especially if it's like an authoritative type of thing, like if somebody comes and they're like demanding that I explain it, um, you know, like that has happened to me in my life and I find it the most dishonoring and an invasive energy. And, uh, you know, I've been manipulated and hurt a lot by that type of energy of, of really coming at me in, in that way. And, um, and yet here I am realizing that I, I do it though. I don't want to ever make other people feel the need to do it to me, but I realize I just naturally do it. I volunteer it and did not realize that that had something to do with low self-worth. So I've been practicing working on embracing it as like, yes, I am small and I am worthy. You know, yes, I am small and I'm worthy. And you can substitute that with anything, you know, um, whatever it is, but just practicing like, you know, like I went through two years, uh, with the opiate addiction and, uh, it kind of got kind of bad, really. It got really bad, actually. But not not in a way a lot of, like, nobody would have known. A lot of people never even knew that I went through it. I hid it so well. I was what you would call a functioning addict. You know, I went to my job every day. Um, I made enough money to support my habit. But nonetheless... I was addicted to opiates and it wasn't just like the beginner stage of opiates. I went straight to the, like one of the hardest opiates you can get your hands on. Like I went straight to, uh, Roxy's, which is like synthetic heroin. And I was taking those and, um, 
I remember that impacted my sense of self-worth dramatically, like so dramatically. And it, it was this really bad shame cycle of, I don't want to do this because I know that this is not really me. It's not in alignment with me. This was not ever something I ever in a million years ever thought I would have gotten myself into. Like, uh, this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want my life to turn out. I shouldn't be doing this. And so I would go through this whole internal dialogue, but then I do it and I would just feed into all this like self shame and like really hating on myself and feeling like just really disappointed. That's what I remember feeling so disappointed with myself. Like what, you know, and I just remember constantly criticizing myself. Like, what are you doing? Like, what is wrong with you? Um, you know, like you're going to, you're going to throw your life away. Like this isn't, this is not funny. This is not a game. You have to get out of this situation. Like, and what had happened, this is me trying to explain. This is what I mean. I have this natural instinct to explain and I really need to work on it, work on this because I do it is, um, and this is why I get so, have so much compassion for people who struggle with addiction is that for me, it was a situation of not knowing how to change something, but not knowing how to get out. So it's like being backed into a corner and you don't know how to get out of the corner, but you don't know how to change the fact that you're in a corner. So instead you look at how can I numb the fact that I'm stuck in this corner and I don't know how to get out. I know intellectually I'm not truly stuck, but I don't know how to actually break free from this. So I'm going to numb it. I'm going to try and, uh, manipulate this sense of reality and so that shaming only tore down that sense of self-worth even more and now that I still feel like shit I'm going to go do more of my my addiction I'm gonna go do more of this opiate because now I feel like crap again and so it's a vicious cycle and you know that you're going to feel bad after you do it. But in that moment, it's like, I just want to avoid what I'm feeling right now. And I know that for this right now moment, I can get out of this feeling by doing that. And so it, it rotated. And what's, what's amazing is even though I, I got away from that, I, I, had to withdraw completely on my own at home because I was too, you know, prideful to go get help. I was too prideful to let anybody, you know, like my family knew at this point, my family had found out, my friends knew because they were, you know, doing it with me. But I ended up having to let my family in on this because I needed help. Um, I needed a whole like three weeks to withdraw because it was that bad. Um, and even though it's, it's been years since that happened, but it took a long time to actually talk about it without feeling that low self-worth. 
And I actually wrote about, I wrote a whole book about my whole life and I put that in the book because for me, that was part of me trying to heal my low self-worth is maybe I can help heal this by not only accepting and embracing it, but I'm just going to put the whole story out there for anybody who wants to read it. Not that anybody is going to care to read my life, but it's not about who reads it. It was about owning my story and putting it out there so that I did not have to feel this shame of what if somebody finds out? What if somebody finds out that I used to be an addict? You know, this, this panic, this, um, you know, I was like, no, 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 I've got to find a way to own this and I got to be brave. And like, this was part of my life and it shaped me and I've learned from it. And, uh, I'm going to, you know, and I did, and it helped me a lot, but obviously I found layers still of this low self-worth that I'm working on. But what, what, could it have been different? That's what I want to know is, um, you know, could it have been different had I been able to say at that time in my life, I am an addict and I am worthy. You know, I'm an addict, but I am still worthy. What could that have been like back then if I had been able to do that? Um, it's not really for me to actually try and answer because obviously I can't change the past, but I, you know, it just makes me wonder if we changed our attitudes towards things like this, if society did, if the culture did, if people would actually have an easier time healing from these types of things, if they'd have an easier time moving through it, if they would, um, be less embarrassed or less prideful, um, to step out and ask for help sooner. You know, it's just things like that. Uh, one of the things that I also, um, had read and I'm, I'm bringing up red because what I'm about to say, this is not my words. Anytime I say, you know, obviously something I read, I'm letting you know that these are not my, my own words is that, um, when we go to really begin to shatter our stories and these illusions that we've created about our lives that we've allowed to mean something to us. Um, because a lot of us, we've created these stories and illusions about us that's definitely impacting our sense of self-worth. And for some of us, it might be stories and illusions, once again, that's supporting this threshold we've created built on this low, you know, threshold. Uh, yeah, threshold. <laughs> um, so I, I've, the article was talking about shattering stories and illusions by using grace. Um, but I wanted to loop for a minute that what they mean by stories and illusions, uh, an example could be supporting our thresholds and uh, the things that we convince ourselves. Um, one of my favorite examples, because I think this is such an easy example about creating stories and illusions, in case you're somebody like, I, like give me a practical example. Let's say you drop a glass of water and it like pours over something valuable on a table and uh, this other person is like starting to scream and yell and freak out on you because you've spilt this water and it's ruined this valuable thing on this table. And um, <clears throat> now because you've been yelled at and 
they're being really aggressive about it and they just won't stop already. You, you already feel bad that it was an accident. You spelt the water. Now you won't let it go because now you're kind of hurt. You're kind of upset. Like you feel bad that this happened. This person's been so aggressive and now you, you like don't want to repeat it, right? You're like, well, that was terrible. I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want that to happen. And so you kind of start to internalize this and it's almost like kicking yourself while you're already down, like you're already in the mud and now you're going to kick yourself there. So we kind of, when we do this, it's really easy to take what was just an experience, but bring it into our identity. So this person might be like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, that was clumsy of me or the person yelling at the person would be like, oh my gosh, you know, you're so clumsy. So now this person is like, gosh, you know, I'm so clumsy, da, 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 da. Well, they bring this into their identity. And so now they have this belief that I am a clumsy person. So now that they have this, they kind of go through their life with this false illusion or story that they're a clumsy person. Um, that has integrated into their identity that they've allowed. And so now they continue to have clumsy experiences um, because that's what, that's what happens. It's to support this belief that we have. It supports the story we've created. So this person continues to do clumsy things and um, never questions it again. Just, oh, you know what, I'm a clumsy person. And kind of laughs about it. I've always been clumsy. That's just how I am. But the reality is, is it true that you were a clumsy person? Or did you just have a clumsy experience? And you gave yourself a hard time about it because somebody else did. Or you ended up hurting real bad over it because somebody else gave you a hard time about it. And you ended up bringing it into your identity. And you created a story or an illusion. Instead of recognizing that it was just an experience... And the, an, a different choice could have easily been to just move through the fact that this is an experience and I don't have to make it mean something more. Like, so that's, you know, so as we look at our lives, um, or especially around our sense of self-worth, looking at what stories have I made about myself around this topic, um, looking at what thresholds have you created and here's here's ways you can test this out what kind of relationships have you gravitated towards um what type of jobs have you applied you know like what type of dreams have you allowed yourself to have have you dreamed big or have you like nah you know there's no point in dreaming big or I have dreams, but I like, I'm never going to really go for that because like, you know, that's just not the reality or relationships, you know, like I believe that sacred love exists and that it's, there's a desire in my heart to have something really beautiful. And I, I do believe it's possible that it can actually be good, like really good, but nah, that, that's not the reality so I'm going to you know indulge in this type of relationship instead or um you know like or you may even feel like I'm I'm not good enough for the type of sacred love that 
I would want or um, jobs like I've gotten jobs that <laughs> well like now I'm like well duh like of course you got that job Leslie like you look at you you go girl like yeah you are talented you are smart you are intelligent like you can do this you are powerful creative like yes but a couple of years back like no I would have never thought that I could have gotten some of the jobs I've gotten like I used to apply for jobs that were like, you know, easy to get. I didn't have to worry about not getting the job. Like, I was like, I can for sure get that job. It's not a challenge, you know? Like, I avoided, I, I took on some challenges, but at the same time, it's like I only took on challenges that I felt pretty sure I could get. And if it seemed pretty unattainable or like it was going to ask a lot of me, I would kind of shy away from that. And so like that's that's what I mean. Like these are the type of I'm throwing this out there because these are the most common areas that uh people have talked to me about, okay? That's why I'm bringing these up. What kind of jobs have you allowed yourself to go for? Um or believe that you can obtain or, you know, some of you I feel like uh you might be at an important crossroads. I know that I've been going through this as well. Just, well, recently just did. Where maybe you are feeling led to do something um, that's not <clears throat> the corporate world. Okay? Like you've got this choice to go have a stable job or work in the corporate world where you have a guaranteed paycheck. Maybe you get insurance. It's guaranteed stability. Yet at the same time, you know that it's a 40-hour week. Maybe for some of you, it's something that you don't actually enjoy. Like maybe you hate it and maybe you don't mind it, but you're, it's not something that you're passionate about. Like it doesn't, it's not something that you wake up every morning and you're like, I'm ready to go to work. Like I'm, I'm so ready to go get it. Not about hustle, but like I'm ready to go get it like, I'm ready to go be a part of this. I'm ready to show up and like be present and like make a difference and shine my light and be myself and 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 you have that energy and that passion, right? And you've got this choice or you've you're feeling something else happening inside of you. You feel this desire to create something different for yourself or this calling. Um but this creating something different for yourself is really uncertain because it's going to really require you to really be able to trust yourself, to show up for yourself, um, to believe that you are worthy of it, you know, to have a, a healthy self-worth. You're going to have to maybe be real creative in how you're going to um, bring in the income that you're going to need. Um, when I say creative, I mean like, you know, when you, when we go and pave our own way, at least this is how I feel. Being really in tune with our spirit is kind of really vital to us being able to make it. Like we want to be in tune with ourselves, with our, our intuition, our higher self, um, with spirit 
with source, with spirit, with the oneness of all, because that's good. That's the guidance of how we're going to creatively market ourselves. And I, I, that's not even the word I want to use, but I'm just trying to throw realistic terms. Um, how we're going to show up, how we're going to serve humanity, how we're going to um, align with people. Um, it, it just, it helps. Everything flows, though. When, when we are in alignment with, with ourselves, with our path, with source, things, things do flow. It works itself out. Um, that's not to say that you don't have some challenges, but what I've noticed, at least for me, is that um, what might look like a potential challenge, really, it's not as much of a challenge as it's more of a surrender and release, surrender and release. That's what I've noticed is that um, when I see something and I don't know for sure like the clarity of it or exactly um, what my next step is, I have found that for me, it's just surrendering to the moment of let's go do something else. Like let's not force this. Let's not make an answer appear. Let's not make something happen. Let's just let go for a minute. Let's go, you know, go do some yoga, go outside. Um, because it's about having faith. I'm such a faith girl. Like I have so much faith. It's almost the borderline of insanity. I'm not even kidding, but it's this a faith that you know what? Everything's going to be fine. Like everything's going to work out. I have faith in myself. Like I believe that I'm a powerful being. I believe that I'm whole. I believe that I can create whatever I want to create. I can pave a way if I want to pave a way. So really, maybe um, right now is just about taking a break until uh, the inspiration comes. And that's literally, <laughs> I just let it go. And there's something very freeing about that and it's amazing because the answer always comes like, you know, one minute you're meditating in the woods and suddenly it's like a light bulb goes off and now you're like, Oh, I know exactly what I want to do next. I know exactly how I'm going to connect with, um, those who are going to be in alignment with my creative process. So some of you might be in a, a very pivotal point in your life, whether it's about a job, a family decision, relationship decision, something to do with, um, you know, like a family member, uh, finances, whatever it is. Um, and so I just really encourage you to, to just look at this right now and, um, and see, you know, have you been living life like from an unhealed sense of self-worth? Have you been living half a life? Have you been living with half a passion? Because I know I've done it for a very long time. I've been doing it for the majority of my life. I have lived with half a passion and half a life. Um, not consistently. It's like I would weave in and out. I would find a source of passion and I'd start living life with so much zest and like flavor. And then suddenly I'd lose it. You know, I'm kind of an artist, so sometimes I deal with depression for no reason that's apparent to me. There might be a reason, I don't know, but like 
I can just randomly deal with depression for no apparent reason. And it's like, I just have to flow through it. I mean, it's just, I guess, part of my humanity. I flow through it and then I come back to all this zest and then, and it's not all the time, but I've noticed for me, this depression kind of hits uh, every now and then. It just, it kind of hits every now and then or I um I'm like the ocean, you know, my, my emotions just kind of rock. And so I can feel kind of down out of nowhere and then back to my zest. And this has caused me to kind of weave in sometimes that settling in life with half a life mentality and this half passion, but I never stay there. I've noticed that I consistently never let myself stay there because I naturally am drawn back to, oh, no, no, no. I want to live life fully. I want to live life with so much passion because that's, that's the point for me. Like if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be here, then I might as well make it the best I can make it. And this is not like best by achievements or the do, do, do movement. It's best by like, how can I enjoy this? How can I make a difference? How can I find the beauty in this and, and everywhere that I can? Because that's going to make this a more enjoyable process. Like I can either be miserable or I can try and be enjoyable. And I've, I've had plenty of years in my life that's had enough suffering and misery that could last me a lifetime. So I definitely am somebody who's gonna try my best to like focus on the beauty because I have enough pain. Like I've had enough pain in my life. There's gonna be more pain. You know, people, one day my parents are gonna pass away. Um, my daughter is gonna have her heart broken one day. Like things are gonna happen and so I, have really been looking at this uh, concept of self-worth being really tied into things like this, to the things that we settle for and trick ourselves into believing and, and, and not believing that it's possible that we really were meant for so much more. And when we find out that we really are so magnificent and beautiful and that God really does listen to us. He hears us or, you know, you don't have to call him God, but I call him God, source spirit, um, when, that he really does hear us and he really does love us and he does know the desires of our heart and to find out that like he always considers us worthy. All right. Like he, like when you look at your hands, like when you look down at your hands, like you're literally looking at the hands of God because he's just flowing through you constantly and you're just your body is a vessel so when you come to this understanding of just how amazing you are despite whatever circumstances and choices and you realize just how much beautiful gifts are here for you how much love is here for you how much um peace and healing and a grace and abundance is here for you and that it wants to be there for you it wants to come in like um that the divine actually has created it has helped co-create i'm gonna say co-create has helped co-create with you before you actually came here a happy ending like a happy life a very uh purposeful life 
it's, I mean, it moved me. I, I cried out of joy, out of gratefulness, of gratitude, of love, of like, just realizing that I guess I never thought, um, I had just kind of assumed, you know, that life is just, you know, it's pretty, but it's also kind of shitty. Um, I guess that's my word for the day. Uh, and you know, people, I just kind of assumed that suffering is just going to be a part of my life forever. Like, I know that it, it is to an extent, but like, I just didn't really think that there would ever be anything super great that's going to really ever happen in my life. I mean, I knew that, that, that I was special to a degree. Like I knew that I was definitely different than, than a lot of what I seem to see around me, but I just didn't feel like, uh, that there, that there anything particularly special would ever show up in my life, you know? And so when it comes knocking on my door, my first reaction was always like, uh, you know, I think you got the wrong door. Like God, you know, your servant, uh, just knocked on my door and is saying that they've got all this wonderful stuff for me. And I think they're at the wrong door. Um, that's a sign of low self-worth. And so realizing that was huge because I thought I had healed that. And so it was amazing. So I invite you guys, anybody who's struggling with this, to really work with this one, to, to really um, ask yourself what is in the way of you being able to truly believe at your core that you are absolutely magnificent and um, that you are so incredibly worthy and what what is in the way of you really believing and embracing that and embodying it and showing up um knowing it like just knowing it um to be able to to feel more sure of yourself um as far as like um to to break free from that overly self-conscious behavior mentality and um there are two, two sayings I have written down is that um, if you're always wanting something to change uh, to the point that there's an internal struggle within, you know, like if the desire to change yourself um, <clears throat> has not brought about the change that you desire, then perhaps it's the desire to change that is the problem. And just the reminder that we cannot serve two masters at one time. You know that you can serve ego or you can serve spirit. But in, in serving spirit and serving oneness, um, is there's inner peace there. There is inner peace there. And when we are serving spirit and we're serving oneness with everything, there's really no person to um, become. Like there's, there's no... Um, I feel like something about that really helps heal this this thing about low self-worth. Um, but anyways, I would love to hear y'all's comments. I have had some people call in. Oh, you guys, I didn't know that was a thing. You can call in and leave a voicemail, which I think is cool. But what I don't like, Anchor, even though y'all are a great platform, is that it doesn't allow me to actually give a call back. I don't have a way to message, inbox, or call back the people who call in. So I just want to give a shout out to those who've 
recently left me voicemails. I hear you. I received your message. I have no way to contact you back. So uh, if you want, if you would like a reply from me, because uh, the only other way for me to do it is to like do it right here on this podcast. And I'm not sure how comfortable you are with that as far as privacy goes. So make sure you leave that in the message um, if you're comfortable with me responding on the podcast. Otherwise, please email me at the shadow shaman pod at gmail.com. And other than that, I did pray for you guys. Um, I Like I said, I'm a faith girl. I believe in prayer. I believe that our prayer is the same as speaking, right? Our words are powerful. They, they create. So for me, praying is like di- divine intervention. It's my form of divine intervention. So I did pray um, for, for those of you who had called in just for healing in those areas and um, just expressing gratitude at the, the awareness that you guys discovered. Um, and, you know, just sending you lots of love and encouragement and just want to remind everybody that you guys are all worthy and I hope that uh, this week you really begin to find that within yourself, uh, an inner peace of being able to really know that, you know, to whatever degree we're, we're capable of doing that. And I feel like we can always ask, you know, for help. Like if we don't really know how to do this process, that's what our guides are here for. That's what our spirit guides, our angels are here for. Our higher self is here. You know, whatever, whatever it is that you call upon to help you, there's, that's not a weak thing. That's, in my opinion, that's a smart thing. You know, like you got all these tools they're all here to help you find what helps you. That's why they're here. Um, I see spirit world. Like I can see into spirit world. I can see people's deceased loved ones. So in my reality, in my perception, you know, I angels exist. I've seen them. I'm not embarrassed to say that. I have no shame in that. I've seen them. I've seen spirits. I've seen my spirit guides. I've seen my ancestors. They're real. At least for me, they are. But I I truly believe um, that they're real, obviously, for all of you. And we don't have to see them to speak with them. We don't have to see them to believe in them. We don't have to see them to receive their help. But of course, uh, for me, like God himself is the ultimate authority for me. Like that's who I go to source, you know, spirit. I call him by many names, um, but we can always ask for help to show us our our self-worth through his eyes. Like, I'm struggling to see it through my eyes. God, can I borrow your eyes? Like, let me see myself. Let me see my self-worth through your eyes. Like, we can say things like that. We can invite that in. And so I encourage you to do that. And right now is a perfect time. But anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. And I will see you or talk to you guys soon.